Hi, this is Crystal Lewis, and you're listening to a Harvest podcast. This is Craig Patchett, founder of the Godcast Network at Godcast.org. Welcome to this very special edition of A Time for Harvest, brought to you by a partnership between Harvest Ministries at Harvest.org, Steve Webb at the LifeSpring Podcast, and the Godcast Network. The 2005 Southern California Harvest, held over the weekend of July 15th through 17th at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California, ended up drawing over 100,000 people in person and 30,000 more through the live webcast. Another 22,000 tapped into Harvest's podcast feeds during the first week after the event, and the numbers continue to grow as more people take advantage of the podcasts and archived webcasts available at www.harvestcrusades.org, www.harvestpodcast.org, and crusade.godcast.org. And this kind of response is repeated around the country and around the world as Harvest Ministries holds these events in various locations throughout the year. So what would cause so many people to give up time on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night to attend such an event? Listen in and find out for yourself. Tell me what's the best way for a believer to invite someone to a crusade? I think you should be upfront about what it is. I, I don't believe in being secretive or or um, deceptive about it. So, you know, we're going to an event. It's called a Harvest Crusade. But here's what it is. It, it's you know, going to be fantastic music, and it's going to be a message on how to know God. Oh, I don't want to hear a sermon. Well, you know what? It is a sermon, but really, this guy is going to talk to you about the big questions in life, such as, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What happens when I die? Well, I don't want to be preached to. Well... Just consider this. Jesus made unique and very significant claims. You need to hear what those claims are. Now, if you choose to reject those claims after you've heard them, after you've given thought to them, then that's your choice. But don't reject something out of hand that you haven't even taken the time to hear. So give a fair hearing to what the gospel message is and then make your decision. I think if there was a theme to the evening, for me at least, it would have been something that defied expectations. You know, in every aspect of the evening, my expectations were completely defied in a very positive way. We are living in extreme days. And that's the reason I'm grateful to introduce this man that has uh, been preaching God's word and sharing his story for many years. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, Please listen closely because your life could change tonight to my brother, Craig Laurie. Let's pray just for a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we believe now these words are true. And we know that there are people listening right now that need to know you. They have troubled hearts. They're stressed out. They're agitated. Would you help them to sense your touch this night? and help them to come to you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will do his work in our midst. We commit it to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you came here to mock God tonight. You thought, these Christians, they're such a bunch of losers. Bunch of posers, wannabes, phonies, hypocrites. I remember when I went to my first Christian meeting, 
I thought they were lunatics, the Christians. I thought, why would anybody carry a Bible publicly and talk about God like he was their next door neighbor or something? And I was on my high school campus, the age of 17, five years ago. Okay, 35 years ago, but still. <laughs> I went to that meeting and I sort of eavesdropped on the message that was being given. And I looked around at the Christians. I thought, they're crazy. They're out of their minds. There's no way that they could be right. Then I looked a little bit more and I thought, you know, though they look like they're pretty happy, crazy people. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, now, what if, of course this isn't true, but what if, what if the Christians are right and I'm wrong? What if, it couldn't be true, of course, Jesus Christ really is alive and He can come into my life. What if God could change someone like me and God turned me from a mocker into a believer and He can do the same for you tonight. He will. Greg's background, and this is a California guy, a surfer, a guy out of the 70s. He's, he's very easy to relate to. He's a great uh, talker or speaker, I should say. He talks in terms that you can relate to, that relates to life, that relates to how you can take the Bible and take God's teachings and apply them to your life rather than being these static, dead things that are stuck in the pages of a book. So listening to what he had to say really brought a different perspective on the scriptures that I had been used to from growing up and from experiencing them as something that were very much, to me at least, dead, I would have to say. And not because they are dead, but because the people who were presenting them were unable to bring them to life. And Greg can bring them to life. I don't know about you, but I sort of like electronic gadgets. And the first thing I do when I get a new gadget is I open up the box, pull it out, and I start pushing buttons. And more than once, I've had something bad happen. And I, what happened? What, what, what did I do? And then I open up the manual and the first page says, whatever you do, don't do this first. And I just did that, you see. So I've come to discover you ought to read the user's manual. And also if you notice that there's warning labels on just about everything now and usually for good reason because presumably some person did the very thing they're warning you not to do. I read of some actual warning labels that are out there and I'm not making any of these up. On a cardboard windshield sunshade is this warning. Warning, do not drive with sunshield in place. That means someone did it. I can't see anything. What's wrong? On a hair dryer, do not use while sleeping. An actual warning. How do you use a hair dryer when you're sleeping? On an electric rotary tool, warning, this product is not intended for use as a dental drill. Ooh. Here's a warning on a box of rat poison. Warning, this has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. Good. But I was hoping for something a little faster than that, you see. It's rat poison. Here's a warning on a sign in a railway station. Beware to touch these wires. It's instant death. Anyone found doing so will be prosecuted. Well, God has given us a book that, yes, warns us about things that can harm us. 
The Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. He's given you this book to live by that points you to Him and shows you how to live forever. But many people won't read the Bible. Many people are afraid of the Bible. Have you ever noticed how people react when you pull a Bible out? You ever been on an airplane? And you know, you're, maybe you have that one seat from hell, you know, the middle seat in economy. And I always get behind the one guy that feels he has to recline for the entire flight, of course. So there you are, you're trapped and you know, you think, you know, maybe I'll just pull my Bible out. And, and you reach down and you pull it out and boy, you know, people will be chatting with you, everything's cool. And all of a sudden this mysterious book with the gold pages comes out. And they see it and I've seen people sort of recoil like, oh no, you know, like, like they're afraid it's going to attack them or something. Sorry, it's a living Bible, you know, I, what can I say? They're, they're afraid of this book. But this book tells you how to know God. Everything you need to know about God is found in the pages of the Bible. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. My word is true. Don't freak out. I know what I'm doing. You know, I think sometimes when the Lord would speak to his disciples, they didn't have a clue as to what he was talking about. Sort of a bit like being in a class maybe in school. Maybe the math teacher does this complex equation on the board and turns back to the class and says, now does everyone understand? And everyone nods their head in unison. Oh yeah, we understand. You don't have a clue what it means. I think the disciples were that way too. Jesus would say things that say, oh, that is so good. That is deep. I love it. I think this is one of those days. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I think all the disciples were nodding. Yes. Thomas is like, Excuse me, I have a question. Yes, Thomas. We don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I love that. Aren't you glad Thomas asked that question? Jesus didn't rebuke him. He responded to him. And you know what, Thomas is often called Doubting Thomas. Don't be a Doubting Thomas. But I think of Thomas more as a skeptic. He was a man who wanted to know for himself. And Jesus specializes in turning skeptics into believers. Maybe you've come here tonight as a skeptic. I was skeptical when I first went to a Christian meeting and heard the gospel for the first time. The last thing I planned on doing was becoming a follower of Jesus. But as I listened, God touched my heart and I put my faith in Christ and was forgiven of my sins. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do the same thing. Jesus says, where I go, you know the way, you know. We don't know. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. How do we get to heaven? Some people think it's by living a good life. A Barna poll reveals that half of all Americans believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. A lot of people believe that. Do you believe that? The problem is, what is good? <laughs> Whose definition of good will we go by? Yours? Mine? And even if this were true and it's not, I frankly don't think that most people do more good things than bad things in their life. If it was really true that if your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, you would go to heaven, I still think most people wouldn't get to heaven. But it's not that way at all. 
It's not about your good deeds. See, all other religions essentially say, do this. Do this and maybe you'll go to heaven. Do this and you'll reach nirvana. Do this and you'll have peace of mind. It's do, do, do. Christianity says done because Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross and said it is finished. It's done. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us. The Bible says it's through grace that we are saved. Not of works lest any man should boast. The Bible says there is salvation in no other for there is no other name given under heaven by which a man can be saved. Now Oprah Winfrey made this statement and I quote, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there is only one way. Actually there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God, end quote. Sorry Oprah. Jesus would disagree with you and I'm gonna go with him if you don't mind. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You say, but Greg, that's so narrow-minded. I believe as long as a person is sincere in their beliefs that they'll get to heaven. As long as, you know, they, they believe with all their heart, I believe all roads lead to God. Oh, come on. Do you really believe that? What would you think if you went down to the airport and boarded a plane tomorrow morning for Honolulu, Hawaii? Now as you were cruising down the runway, your pilot said, good morning ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is flight 323 with direct service to Honolulu, Hawaii. Our cruising altitude will be 32,000 feet. We'll be showing a movie. And by the way, folks, the pilot says, I'm not so sure about this whole fuel thing. You know, some people are really into fuel, having enough fuel, but I don't know. I look at this gauge. I don't even really know how to read the gauge. It looks to me like this plane's about a quarter full, but who cares about that? Don't worry about it. We'll get there. I feel really good about this. I'm really sincere in my beliefs, and I'm not really into these navigation devices or any of these maps. That's too narrow and bigoted. You see, folks, I believe all roads lead to Hawaii. You know what I'd say? I'd say there's a psycho in the cockpit, okay? Get me off this plane. I want a pilot that's narrow-minded. I want a pilot that thinks clearly. And yet we'll have people when it comes to eternity say, well, I just believe if I'm good enough and if I just do good works. What are you talking about? Jesus told you how to get to heaven. See, there's only one man who has ever walked this earth that could put us in contact with the God we're separated from. It was Jesus. Not just a good man. He was the God man. Not man becoming God, that's impossible, but God becoming man. He lived the perfect life. He never sinned, not even once. He voluntarily went to a cross and died for the sin of the world. And with one hand he took hold of a holy God and the other hand he took hold of sinful humanity and they drove spikes through his hands and he bled and died there for you so you could be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed and know that when you die you will go to heaven and be ready for the Lord's return. Hey, you've got a uniform on, I have to ask, what's the uniform? Uh, it's the Army. Army? U.S. Army Class B's. Okay, and, and where are you stationed? Los Alamitos. I'm an MP, military police. Okay, very good. How long have you been in the Army? Uh, going on four years now. And have you been stationed out here the whole time? Or I've what? been stationed at Fort Leonard Wood. been stationed at uh, Fort Bragg. 
and then also Kosovo. How long in Kosovo? Only a couple months. I got injured, so I had to come home. Well, thank you for what you do. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate what you do. Thank you. It's good to hear, sir. So uh, what brought, what brings you here tonight? I haven't been to Harvest Crusade in about six years. I'm actually home and thought, you know, it would be a good idea. I was down. We just got a new uh, ribbon in my unit. We just got, like, an award, so I was in the area. thought it would be a cool thing to stop by. Okay. So what's going on. I like uh, Crystal Lewis and Jarvis Clay, so it's even better. Yeah, I, I actually met Crystal Lewis the first Harvest Crusade I went to. Okay. I went down there, and uh, she actually personally prayed for me. I was down there, and she just walked up to me and started praying for me. I was like, whoa. Uh, and then from then I started listening to her music. Thanks again for being here and for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you. You've been around the church your entire life. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the greatest strength in today's church? The greatest strength? I guess, well, I don't know. There's so many different churches. I would yeah. say that we have this freedom to be able to really truly proclaim the Word of God because the Word of God is really what breathes life, you know, into our minds and into our souls on a daily basis as we dig into it. So the, I guess the one of, I don't know that I could say there's only one, but one of the biggest strengths would be that the Word of God is freely proclaimed. Okay. How are you feeling? It's, it's a nice feeling. It's, it's unlike I thought it would be. It's very nice. What did you think it was going to be? Um, I thought it would be more bland, more, you know, I, I've been to church many times, but just couldn't, never really uh, heard, you know, never really felt, felt it. And um, this time, there's just something about it which is more unique, and it, it just it makes me feel uh, just great inside. Can you put your finger on what made it different tonight? One thing that made it different was being with my father. Another thing that made it different was um, probably being being through what I've been through in my life so far and wanting to change and do something better. It's, it, it opened my ears and my heart to hear what I wasn't hearing before. And, um, and maybe um, it was uh, uh, Lori, you know, the same, those certain things that just triggered, yeah. triggered something in my life that just really made me listen and, and, and uh, cope with, with what he's saying and what's going on. Can you remember any of the points that really spoke to you tonight that, that just really spoke to your heart? Most of them was, was the story he was telling about um, Nicodemus and uh, and him asking asking a question and just and, and not really understanding and, and saying, you know, well, how can I be born again? You know, am I supposed to go back into the womb again? And, you know, I never really understood of, of how when somebody would say, you know, be born again and be a, be a Christian. You know, I just I didn't really grasp uh, the whole reasoning and concept of it. And then just the way he explained it just really made me want to understand it more, you know, and, 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 and I did understand it more. Nicodemus was a legend in his own time. He was famous. He was honored. He was deeply religious, yet he was incredibly empty inside. So hearing of the great truths that Jesus was teaching and the miracles he was performing, the legendary Nicodemus wanted to meet the carpenter's son from Nazareth. Now you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, what possible relevance could a conversation between a Jewish carpenter and some religious dude named Nicodemus that happened 2,000 years ago have to do with me living in the 21st century? Answer, everything. Because this is more than just a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. For all practical purposes, this is a conversation between God and man. If we were going to elect a representative to go to God for us, 
as people, we couldn't find a better rep, if you will, than Nicodemus. As I said, he was highly intelligent. He was cultured. He was moral. He was as close to being a good person as you possibly can be, but there was something missing in his life. Maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you've been successful. Maybe you've studied hard. Maybe you have earned degrees. Maybe you've had great success or great possessions. You have the car you always dreamed of driving. You have the clothes you always wanted to wear. You've got everything going on. You've got the coolest crib in town, you know. But something's missing in your life. There's a big old hole in your heart and you can't figure out why it's there and you can't figure out how to fill it. I'm telling you the answer to all of that is found in the story that we're about to look at. John chapter three, we read this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be marveling when I say to you, you must be born again. Born again. That's a phrase we hear a lot. A lot of the people out there selling stuff to us use it. Born again shampoo, born again this, born again that. And I think it sort of lost its meaning. But the general idea is starting over again. Becoming something different than what you presently are. A new beginning. We're a culture that's obsessed with change. Well look at all these programs on TV where these people are going to come and they're going to do a makeover on your house. Or they're going to do a makeover on your appearance. Or some people even through cosmetic surgery want an extreme makeover. But maybe you're thinking if only I could get this change in my life. This external change. No. God is talking about changing on the inside. Being born again. Have you been born again? A woman was caught in the act of sexual sin. They grabbed her. Drug her over to Jesus. Threw her down on the ground. And they said, says the law says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? Jesus looked around at all of these religious hypocrites. and said, I'll tell you what. Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And then he started writing something in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. But man, did it clear the house. The Bible says they left from the oldest to the youngest. He probably wrote their name down and what sin they were guilty of. They were all gone. There's that woman. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, well, Lord, looks like I have none. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You need to know something. God doesn't want to judge you. He wants to forgive you. He doesn't want you to face hell. He wants you to go to heaven. The Bible says be perfect as God is perfect. You say, well, who's going to measure up to that? No one. And that's where Jesus comes in because no one can be good enough to get to heaven. That's why you need to come and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And I turn from that sin and I choose to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And you can do that tonight. My name is Justin Segoin. I am the pastor of the 20 singles group at Mariner's Church called Fuel. Growing up, I grew up in a home where my parents were Christians, but I thought since they were Christians, that made me a Christian. 
I also thought that if I did enough good things, that God would accept me. And if my good outweighed my bad, then that would be pleasing enough to God to let me into heaven after I died. I never knew where I stood with God. And so it was very important that I, you know, go on a quest to figure out what did God want from me? It was 1990 and my uncle and a friend of mine said, hey, let's go to this thing called a Harvest Crusade. It seemed to be brand new at the time. And I went not knowing what to expect. But when I got there, I got to see some great bands, a lot of great people, but most of all, a message from Greg Laurie that was very relevant and very clear, I think for the first time for me, the message of who Jesus was, what the Bible was about, and how to know that you did have right standing with God was for the first time very clear for me. Greg made that very clear. I think the thing that really touched me the most was when he quoted verses, verses like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the first time, it made me realize that there was nothing I could do in order to please God on my own. And then uh, Romans 6.23 is that the, the wages of that sin was death. And so uh, I was pretty much without hope. But then he went into Romans 5.8 in, in the way that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then finally he wrapped it up with what I think was is probably the thing that sticks out in my mind the most, which is Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And for the first time I realized that it was nothing I could do in order to please God, in order to have a relationship with God, but everything of what Christ did for me. At that time, Greg gave an invitation for us to come forward if we would like to commit our lives to Christ. And so me with my uncle and my friend, we went, we went down front, we prayed to receive Christ, we sat with a counselor afterwards, and uh, it was at that time that my journey began. It wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross 2,000 years ago, it was love for you and for me. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. And the last thing he wants to do is see you face judgment. That is why he poured his judgment on his son who died in your place. But if you will turn from your sin and come to Jesus tonight, you can be forgiven and you can be ready for the Lord's return. Now you might be sitting there thinking, what do you mean come to Jesus? What is this all about? There has to come a moment where you say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. You say, well, how do I do that? You need to realize you're a sinner. You need to recognize Christ died on the cross for you. And you need to receive Him into your life. You can't be born as a Christian. You must be born again, Jesus said. A spiritual rebirth. And that happens through prayer. Have you been born again? Are you sure you're ready to meet God? Do you know you'll go to heaven when you die? Are you ready for the Lord's return? If not, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to get ready. In a moment, we're gonna pray. And I'm going to invite you to do what hundreds have already done here at this crusade. I'm gonna ask you at the end of this prayer to get up out of your seat and come down to this field, around to the back of the stage. And in doing so, you're making a public stand for Christ, saying, I wanna be forgiven of my sin. I wanna know God. I wanna to go to heaven when I die. Why do I ask you to come publicly? Because everyone that Jesus calls, He calls openly and publicly. He says, if you will confess me before people, I'll confess you before the Father and the angels in heaven. 
But he added, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the angels in heaven. That's why I'm going to ask you to come publicly to this field. Say, I'm so ashamed. How will God treat me? Jesus told a story about a father who had two sons. The youngest son, Dad, I'm sick of all your rules and regulations. I want out of here. Give me my portion of the inheritance. His dad reluctantly agreed. His young son took the money and got out of town as quickly as he could. It wasn't long before he had spent all his money on prostitutes and partying and stupid living. One day he was sitting around looking how his life had gone and he came to his senses and he thought, this is ridiculous. I had it so much better when I lived with my father. I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You can just take me on as a hired hand. Anything's better than this. But Jesus says, when the boy was still a long ways away, the father saw him and he got up and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he said, this my son who is dead is alive again and he who is lost is found. That's how God feels about you right now. He'll throw his arms around you and forgive you. It's true. You think your sins will come as a surprise to God? He knows about them. Jesus died for them. And if you're willing to take that step of faith and come to Him, you'll be amazed at what He will do for you. But you need to come. There's still time. There's still many coming. I hope you're one of them. What occurs to me right now is that I wander around out here in the outfield. I'm seeing people from every, uh, of every age. I see people that look like they're from the street. I see people that look like they're professionals. I see young people. I see children. I see old people. I see people of every, every, every hue, everything that you could, every, every kind of person you could imagine. And there are people down here that are worshiping God. There are people that have come down here to give their life to Jesus Christ, become followers of Christ. And as I wander around here, it occurs to me that this, <laughs> this is what heaven is going to be like. We're going to be surrounded by people who... I was one of the last ones to go home. Are from every stripe. One of the last ones. Come, that's okay. All here only because of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Behind me is the the Korean section, the Spanish section, uh, the Vietnamese, and Arab. I'm surrounded by people that are right now becoming members of the family of God, being adopted into the family of God. I've talked about it before on the podcast. What we have in common is our Creator. What we have in common is the fact that Jesus died for us. For everyone that's down here, Jesus died for each of us. These people are here because of that. And to me, this is a glimpse of heaven. This is what it's going to be like, worshiping together, arms raised. I'm seeing people of 
these are my brothers and sisters. If you're a follower of Christ, these are your brothers and sisters, and they're newborns. And it's a marvelous, marvelous thing to be in the middle of it. The sea of humanity down here. The sea of humanity that are here only because of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. What a blessing this is. This is an enormous, enormous blessing to be a part of this. Tonight, you're coming to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that He loves each and every one of you. And He has said that he or she that would come to Him, He would in no way cast out. And what that means is He's going to say yes to you if you come on His terms. But what are His terms? You have to be willing to turn from your sin. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. And He will come in and forgive you. In a moment I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer out loud after me. And this is where you're asking Christ to come into your life. So mean it from your heart. And pray it out loud. And God will hear you. Okay? I'm going to pray. You pray this after me. Let's all bow our heads to our word of prayer. Pray this out loud after me right now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood for every sin I have ever committed. Now come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord and my God and my friend. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to follow you from this night forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. There's a celebration in heaven right now because of the decision that you've just made. The Bible says that there is joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. What we do is uh, initially we send a letter out. Uh, we give them information uh, in that letter about a baptism within uh, you know, a few weeks. Some, some want to declare their faith to um, those family and friends that they've come to faith. So we give them information about a baptism. We have a welcome to the Family of God barbecue, typically uh, one or two weeks after the crusade. We encourage them in their relationship with the Lord, you know, talk to the Lord through prayer and uh, hear what He's saying through the Word of God and encourage them in a simple two or three paragraph letter. We get that out, letter goes out, after two or three days we follow up with a phone call. And what we do is when we get these cards is we try to find those in our fellowship that want to reach out to those that have recently made decisions of faith. So their peers, in other words, if it happens to be a female ages 16 to 20, we'll assign that to a right. female right. 16 to 20. And so they'll follow up with one or two calls initially the first week right. uh, until they can connect with them just to see how they're doing in their walk. Not to put pressure on them, right. just as long as they're walking with, with the Lord and we want to see if they have any particular prayer requests. Right. You know, it's been amazing what, what the Lord has done in my family. I come from a, a, a word that's been overused a lot, a dysfunctional family. And we were dysfunctional to the core. And it wasn't until I took the step at, at an invitation to come to a Harvest Crusade and listen to the words of Greg give uh, just a simple message of Christ to me. And 
coming forward and saying yes to a relationship with Jesus, because that's what it's about. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship, and saying yes to that, and ever since I made that step, that commitment, it's just been amazing what God's done. He's blessed my life. Sure, there's struggles, but there's a new perspective to look on it. I have a God that wants to be there for me and help me, and I can pray to, and that provides, and it's just, it's a whole different world. And my dad, he picks up my kids, and he looks at him, and he says, my heart goes to your heart. And every time I see that, it just reminds me of God's unconditional love for us. That if He can save a family like the Monk family and all of our dysfunction, He can save anybody's. You know, really, my vision hasn't changed with the passing of time. I think people are disappointed to hear that. They want to know what the new message is, the new this, the new that. Well, every year, certainly, the crusade hopefully has a fresh current feel to it. If there's new technology, like podcasting, we're utilizing it. Uh, if there's a great band that I that may be uh, new to us here at Harvest that would really impact the people, uh, we'll utilize them. Our visuals, our graphics will change. Our platform will look a little bit different. But, you know, I have to admit to you, my core message has not changed one bit. And that's very intentional. I don't want to change it, nor should I change it, because it's the gospel. Now, hopefully it'll be current in any references I might use. It will be relevant at the time in which we're living. But at the same time, my core message never changes. It's always the simple message of how to come into a relationship with God, what Jesus did for you on the cross, how to be forgiven of your sins, how to go to heaven. That's what I'm going to be preaching, hopefully, if God gives me strength, 30 years from now for having this conversation. And who knows what technology we'll be using then. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right. And nor does the gospel message. And if we change it, uh, we're making a big mistake because there's power in the message of the gospel. To find out more, visit www.harvestcrusades.org for details and a schedule of upcoming Harvest events. If you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now, or if you've recently made a decision to do so, visit www.nogod.org. That's K N O W. G-O-D dot O-R-G for information and resources. You can also visit www.harvest.org slash devotional to sign up for Pastor Greg's daily devotional via email. Or you can contact Pastor Greg directly at greg at harvest.org. Finally, this is actually the last of a series of 12 podcasts on the Southern California Harvest. And if you'd like to catch up on any of the ones that you've missed, you can find an archive of the series at www.harvestpodcast.org and also at crusade.godcast.org. And that wraps up this special edition of A Time for Harvest. I'd like to thank Harvest Ministries, Pastor Greg Laurie, Pastor Paul Eaton, Brendan Stark, and my good friend Steve Webb for making this series possible. This is Craig Patchett, hoping that you too make the choice to accept the wonderful gift God offers us all. God bless.